that's okay. I mean, in terms of where we're going with this, open your Bible with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Excuse me, one more second. I need my glasses. Like God is, except he was located on the earth. 
So the powerful thing is this. If you look at Genesis all the way up to the verse 26, he created everything. God did. And he said, God spoke. And so therefore, there was creative ability and formation into manifestation by God speaking. That's the creative order. So when you look at Genesis chapter 1, and it said, and God said, starting at really at verse, what? Again, uh, verse 3, let there be light. See, and uh, this, is, this is amazing because this is authoritative, not conversational. So you got to understand that God declared that light would come. So when you start reading everything up to verse 26, God was resourcing the entire darkness. And by him speaking, there was nothing that could refute or refuse from coming to pass what God had declared. Because by definition, he's all powerful, he's all knowing, you know, you already know this. He's everywhere at once. I know I've talked with a friend of mine who runs a major ministry in Europe. He, he believes that God can be surprised, that God does not, doesn't know everything. I mean, it's just, anyway, <coughs> you have all kinds of things that exist today out there. So if you examine it closely, God resourced man, as I said last night, with everything that man would ever need before he ever made the man. So that man was not created to be a need-based creature. He was created to be on the supply side, meaning I make you in my image, that's inner attributes, after my likeness, that's out the works. So he was like God on the inside and could do what God could do on the outside. In my image, after my likeness. God is the one who said that. So, in reality then, if you believe that God is all-powerful and that he created the heavens, well, he says that because the word uh, Elohim, God, created Shamahim, the heavens. They're both, they're both plural. You know he's talking about the Godhead. He's talking about heaven and earth. You understand that? And so, God did that by just speaking the word. So by the time he gets the man, he says to him, I make him in my image, out of my likeness. And then he gives him his, his metron. That word metron, uh, Greek word, means order, measure of rule. Where do you have authority? I said, I make you to be like me. Now, where do you have authority then, like I would have? How would you function then, like I would function? So man was created to be like God. That means his thoughts, his words, and his deeds were created to be godly. It wasn't just a religious term. It was the creative order because God himself defined the competency level, the ability of the man. So you've got to think back about what is the capability of a man made in the image of God with authority of the whole earth without sin in his life. What was that man's ability? You see? Now, this is really, really, really powerful if you just uh, do a selah on it just for a minute. So then he gets down to verse 28, which I'm kind of rushing through this. He gets down to verse 28, and this is where I do like the King James Version, where he says to him, uh, and God blessed them. Well, who is the them? Because he had just made the man. But again, he was looking forward to the creation of how he was going to formulate what he was getting ready to say. But again, if I would just say to you, well, who was he talking to? He was talking to the man. 
and God blessed them, and God said unto them, what? Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. So then man was created for leadership. You see that? Because he put him in charge. Two, he says, uh, the blessing, the, 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 the word spoken over them, be fruitful. So you have fruit in two ways. You have fruit in terms of what you develop into, meaning character. And this is where, in some cases, uh, you know, those of us who are spirit filled miss it because we think the fruit is how many came to the meeting, uh, you know, how, how many churches, how many, uh, you know, it's all the external stuff. But again, if you see, you got to go to verse 2 and verse 7 and see that the man was not physically made yet. God was speaking to him as a spiritual being, an eternal being, because that's the nature of God. Now, again, the Bible says in John 4, God is a spirit. Do you understand? So therefore, when he makes the man and he's talking to him, let us make man in our image after our likeness. When he spoke those words, the rock of God went out and man became a living entity in the eternal dimension. Do you understand that? Well, anyway, I'm going on anyway. <laughs> so, so when he says, when I say fruit, let us make man in our image, he's not talking about be fruitful. He's talking about not just what you achieve, but what you are becoming, what you are. So he says, be fruitful. In other words, he's saying, even though I made you in my image, I didn't seal what you can grow into in potential. Be fruitful. And that was he talking about. He's talking about character, what you are inside. Character, creating habitual <laughs> assignments, repeatedly applied, causing totally effective results. Character, you, you get that. Don't worry, get the CD, you'll get it. <laughs> this is hugely important. Because we, we then we then affirm achievement. But I said to you the first time I had a chance to get up before you, that what you are becoming is greater than what you're going through. So with God, two things are important. Not what you have, but what you can handle. You get that? You see that? And so it's important that you understand if God had given you as an assignment, made you like him, there's nothing you can't handle. See? This is, really a, this is really huge for you to get this. So God then creates everything in the earth and then makes man to be in charge of, be fruitful, multiply. So you're saying, do you see that? So he's saying then that I'm going to allow the earth to become who you are. All I needed to do was to make you, and then later on you'll just see in a minute that he then makes the woman to fulfill be fruitful, multiply, meaning that I'm going to reproduce after your kind. Well, he had already made everything that was in the earth to reproduce after its kind. It was in the creative structure, meaning that whatever the trees, everything that was there in the earth, it did not need any outside assistance, even from man, for it to reproduce itself automatically. The truth of the matter is nothing would have diminished. There would have been, you understand, no such thing as the seasons, things dying, things coming alive. Everything would have all been alive. Nothing would have died because man, based on the creative level, was the sustainer of the level of everything. But if man failed, everything under his jurisdiction would have fallen because he was also 
the authority in the earth, but he was a prototype. I mean, you understand, everything works by him. Like in the heavens, okay, God, because God is almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, and all this, so he created the man not to have to be trained. He didn't have to think to know. He just knew. So I'm going to go ahead because he says you're asking me too many questions um, in this. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, meaning that from the failure of what was there, the darkness on the face of the deep, mankind was to be the solution person. God made it within that man to have that ability because he made him to be like him. He's like God. And so, and so consequently, dominate, be in charge. That means that everything that would happen after that, he recapitulates, he says it again, again I'm going to read uh, in verse 28 again, God blessed them and said unto them, again I'm reading out the New Living Translation, um, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So last night I said it very quickly without substantiating the ability of man. And in other words, in that God, everything that was in the water, everything that was above the water, means that, that could fly, everything that was in the water, everything that was on the earth, no matter how vicious the animal, there, there was no such thing as viciousness. Look, the most powerful, intimidating person in creation was the man made in the image of God. Do you understand that? There, there was nothing more dangerous than to get out of alignment with a man made in the image of God. And so you got to understand that in the ability, don't worry about it. Let him scream. I don't care. Okay? I'm like your pastor on that one. I don't care. I don't really care. But so, so in reality, this is the ability of God in the creative order. So, so then he said in verse 29 again, and God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And so now watch. So if man then didn't eat, would he die? See, this is where you gotta look at that. Because again, man was made in the image of God, then if God doesn't eat, does he die? The answer is absolutely. Before man sinned, there was no death in anything. So the man didn't eat to live, he ate for enjoyment. Now we understand eating for enjoyment, but because of the failure of man, now he eats to live. But when the original man didn't have to eat to live because there was no death in it. And so, again, I want to get, since you're students, I want to ask you to look up this word and let us make, the word make, so the capability and confidence of the man was in the word make. And it's the Hebrew word. And I don't like talking Hebrew and Greek because it assumes that you really know what it's talking about because you can look at a definition. A definition is a definition. A revelation is something that a definition won't clarify. And I will tell you that almost all the interpreters of these books, these, these professors, all the PhDs in your Bible, whatever it is, when you look up the history of all these guys who knew Aramaic, Greek, they knew hermeneutics, they can understand uh, how to interpret the letter, but you can't hardly find any of them that had any kind of revival, move of God, hearing God, great transforming cities, and any of those guys with PhDs behind their name. So you can have information and understand what it says in the mind, but not be transformed yourself so you can produce what you understand. Do you understand that? So get your doctorates. I, I, on the basis of this particular book, I'm going ahead of myself, my journey with God. 
I was certified a PhD on the research in this book. There's a thousand uh, footnotes in this book, and Phoenix University of Theology traditionally was a PhD just on the basis of that book. But I have other books this long, and we'll, we'll research, you understand? But that doesn't make me smart, nor does it mean that I know God, because I can go to original sources, and that maybe I understand academic rigor, which I like about, again, hearing the, the pastor here in this church, because it pushes you to the point where you break down. In other words, you know that the military, the Marines, or these, these additional kinds of, 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 of military operations, the greater and more significant those areas, the more severe the training. And so when you look at it, you ask, who are the green berets in the spirit? Who are the ones that are not soft, but those are the ones that, that, put, that are get pushed or push themselves to the place where they atrophy, or no, where they, their muscles break down. And once the muscles break down, then a rest period, they recover, and then you start it back again. And what happens is you, you can't feel the pain later on because you get used to that new level. And you try to find, almost anybody who lifts weights, they understand, they're different. They're, they feel themselves, they see if they had a good workout because they're trying to feel the pain they felt originally when they first broke the muscle down. And it seems like in every area of discipline, that's understood except in Christianity. <laughs> Christianity, they're one is soft. I mean, we were here at 12 o'clock, so I mean, you understand, I got home at 12.30 last night, and it was interesting, uh, you know, just looking at some of you, and let mo most of you stayed. Here, and I, I know some of the students probably would have been embarrassed to walk out, you know, stay late. But can you imagine that? So the service is at 7, and it, it, it lasted till 12. I mean, you can have, when you go to some of the uh, major, what you call, Ivy League schools, or go to Oxford, Cambridge, those schools, I mean, sometimes you have three hours, four hour classes, and you're not gonna walk out of those classes and leave. Some of them are in the evening. And so if you don't understand, that you are being taught the things that relate to eternity, and you think five hours is a challenge? You mean you can't sit there, you're sitting down. The person teaching you is the one standing up, and you say, I'm tired, I'm sleepy. No, you're not tired or sleepy. You're lukewarm and soft. <laughs> you can't be, you're not being free in the spirit. So, and so you gotta get past all that nonsense. That's kind of American Christianity. But when you look at the patriarchs, when you look at the major prophets, minor prophets, when you look at the disciples, they were clearly all in. Yeah. You Jesus talk as long as you want, travel as far as you need. I, like in the ghetto, we say, I'll be with you, man, you know. In other words, I'm, I'm gonna stay in there with you, I don't care where, because I'm of your sort, I'm that way. So look, so when you look up this word make, the Hebrew word is A-S-A-H, Asar. Uh, it's pronounced A-W-S-A-A-W, Asar, like the, you talk to the uh, Koreans and sometimes those, you, they, and you're telling them something, they get it, they say, Asar, they get it. But the word means a lot of different things. It means discover, becoming, um, leadership, it means a lot of different things. But one of the things that it means is to fly. Let us make man. So the ability of the first man is that certainly he could fly. Not only could he fly, he could see into the future. And that is by, okay, let me go now. I'm just giving you where we're headed right now. So 
So look, he says in chapter 2, let me just go, be fruitful, multiply, replenish earth, subdue it. So God made the man, or saw the man with an ability, because without sin, his body was the instrument of his nature. So in, in reality, he put him over birds. So let's say, and I said to other night, what if the bird flew away? Could, could Adam fly to him? Clearly. Why? He wasn't a, a creature of limitation. He had authority, metron, jurisdiction over the whole earth and over everything in the earth. If he went down into the water and stayed for an hour, would he die? Well, the answer is no, there was no death in it. He had authority over everything. He could have gone down in there. And so some of you, some people sometimes can stay in the water an unusually long time. They think that's a big deal. You can stay in there a minute, two minutes, or whatever. They say, oh, God, their lungs. Well, Adam could stay down in there, and he could have, you know, picked his teeth down there, and it would have been no problem staying as long as he needed to be. Why? There was no death in it. He wasn't a creature that needed air. He was a creature with the ability and nature of God. He would not be that if he could go into the air, how high could he go? Where the air gets thin, would he die when he got up into an atmosphere higher than the Earth's atmosphere? Well, the answer is absolutely not. He was made in the image of God. Would God die up there? You understand? So you've you got to go back into this and look at what was there. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going ahead of myself, but in 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus comes as the last Adam. That's what it explains about. Paul explains that in 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, so in that regard, everything that Jesus demonstrated started from the place of where the first Adam fell. He was the last Adam. He was the second man. Don't ever say he's the second Adam. No, he's the last Adam, meaning that he fulfilled and succeeded in all the requirements of God at the level where Adam, the first Adam, failed. So he was tested, as I'm going to go there right now, I've got to go ahead and jump in there. Uh, he succeeded. I will go ahead and tell you this. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. All that's in the world. First John 2, same thing. Those are the three areas of temptation. Every other sin falls in the category of those three sins. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. So all the other auxiliary kind of sins that you would do come under those three categories. And so, uh, so, look, so chapter 2 again uh, of Genesis chapter 2. It says, in verse 15, And the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. It says, watch. So then in verse uh, 18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him, suitable. In other words, I think in your original Greek it says, Hebrew it says. So the Lord God formed man from the ground, formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would what? Call them. What? And the man chose a name for each one. Bad translation. I like the King James better. For every, whatever the man called them, that was the name instead thereof. In other words, if he named them, he defined them. If he defined them, he understood them. Did you hear that? 
In other words, all the animals, Adam had never seen them before. So, so Adam named them, and I said it last night, you should be dog, it was so. You should be cow, it was so. You should be giraffe, it was so. Whatever he named them. So if he named them, he understood them. And so therefore, there was no question about those animals. He understood the animals, and the animals had to understand him. Why? Because he had authority over them. So you can't, you cannot affect authority if you can't give the people who you oversee to understand what you're requiring of them. Adam had that ability, even of animal life, without ever having to go through anything with them, because he was made, again, in the image and likeness of God. And so in that regard, look what it says. Uh, so, again, verse 19, I'll read it again. So the Lord formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, all the wild animals. But still, there was not a helper just right for him. So then that now tells you why he brought them by Adam. Not just the name, you understand? Not just to define, not just to understand. But what? He was searching. Man himself had to define who was at his level. Because God brought them by because he had to identify his wife. Now, redemptively, we know this. When a man finds a wife, he what? Finds a good thing. That's exactly what was going on there. Because he explains it in that verse. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmate for him. So that's what was going on. In other words, he said, that was bird, that was cow, that was whatever. Mm -mm, not my level, not my level, not my level, not my level. So then, as we continue on, because there was not found a helpmate for him, so the Lord God then caused the man to fall into a deep, look, sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out, out one of the man's ribs, and actually Hebrew, it actually says sides, and I think that you all know that. And closed up the opening, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her into the man. Now this is hugely important because God himself then, the same God that said, let us make man, also said it's not good that man should be alone, but I'm going to make a help suitable for him. The same God that, that made and formed the man, go back to chapter 2 again, look at verse 7, here in this same chapter, uh, it says, verse 7, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed, you know, the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. Another in your version says a living soul. So watch. God had already talked to him, right, before he ever made him. So this follows the principle. Listen closely. First revelation, then manifestation. Or let me say it again. First revelation, then formation. What do you mean? God was talking to the man, the Google multiply, repentance, earth, subdue it. This was the same thing that happens when you were born again. If any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creature. Old things pass, behold, pass away, all things become new. So when, when you got born again, did God make you over again physically? No, where were you born again? In the spirit. So you were born again in the invisible realm, right? So the rebirth of your being born again follows the creative order. Because I said to you, quoting John chapter 4, 23, 
that man is a what? God is a what? Spirit. So when he makes man in his image out of his likeness, what then did he have to make it? A spirit. So man, so he was talking because look, the biblical world comes from the eternal world, or I could say because invisible just, just happens that eternity is invisible to you because of the fall. But the eternal world is the real world. Watch. The natural comes from the spiritual, but the spiritual does not come from the natural. So in that regard, that world is the real world. So the degree <coughs> to which you are not activated in the eternal dimension is the degree to which you are not actually spiritual. Did you hear me? So you can, you can judge everything by the external that you want. It just shows that you haven't activate, activated a union with God in the reality of the eternal. And so, therefore, you hear people say, well, man, prayer is work. And you know, man, I don't feel like praying. It's because in prayer, you're not accessing the heavenlies. You cannot, in reality, like it says in Hebrews chapter 4, I'm going ahead of myself now because the devil's trying to steal my time, so I'm rolling. <laughs> in it. And then it says in chapter 4, let us enter before the final throne of grace, what? Boldly. You know that scripture, right? So you leave from your knees. You leave the things of the earth and man to attend to the things of God. So you, when you actually, so therefore, you actually, in prayer, go into the heavenlies in the realm of the spirit. So it's when you see him, you are, you become, you are like him. So if there's no transformation, if you don't know God better than when you get in prayer, you have an access to the eternal. Because the transformation in your life happens from the vitality of the time you actually spend with him in the heavenlies. And with God, you become like who you hang around. So you know, so that even though you say, oh, I gotta pray. No, 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 you're not. You don't just have to pray. You are a house of prayer. Amen. And so in reality, you love hanging around where your destiny is. Amen. And your destiny is to be into the heavenly, in prayer, into the face of God, being transformed, where the flesh bows, where transformation occurs, where the eternal becomes your reality. So when you still thought carnal, man, that he's preaching too long, Oh man, I don't know about this laughing stuff. It's all your human construct. Your spirit isn't identified. Let's just say there is some flesh in it. Well, you're both spirit and flesh. You're not perfected in any of it. You are being perfected and be not conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed, transfigured. You are being made into it. And so in some de degree, you got to activate in the natural something that's going on in the spirit. And it's so natural, it's raised spiritual. So some of it is you. I had one person who made this statement. And, uh, now God was using him greatly. An old mother uh, said, oh, God was using mightily, uh, son. And uh, he said, oh, thank you, mother. It was all God. She said, no, it wasn't all God. Because if it was all God, it'd be better than that. Okay. <laughs> See, he was trying to be humble, but she said it straight. So no matter how we are operating in the things of God, it can be better. 
you haven't maximized nothing when it comes to the nature of God. He that sits on the circles of the, of the heavenlies. He that, that made the, 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 the stars. He made all of them. You know, he, he, he that says, this far shall your proud ways go and no farther and set bars and gates. No, no, no. You, 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 can, you are, have a seed of that, but you've got to grow into the reality of that while on the earth. Let me go. You're asking me too many questions right now. Let me go. So look at this. So I said, first, revelation, then formation. So look. So you're born again, but you're out of shape. What do you mean? Exactly the same with Adam. God has spoken to him, his destiny, his authority, his metron, his measure of rule, and all this. But then God, chapter 2, verse 7, forms him. That follows the pattern. First revelation, then formation. So the issue is, you're going to go to heaven. So your destiny is the heavenlies. So, but for what? But it's not where you're going to go. It's what you're becoming. And so this is really, really important. So then you have theologians arguing about um, this thing about whether it's a pre-tribulation rapture, is it post-tribulation, is it mid what is it? So now they're relating their access to the presence of God based on the circumstances of the earth. That is siastophil, that's dispensationalism, that's nonsense. Because if you're like God, who cares what's going on in the earth?
but the way man thinks, he deals with all that kind of stuff that way. Mm -mm. I'm good with that woman. That woman is my kingmaker. I did a book called Women Are Kingmakers. And that really is true. I won't go through that, but I did a book on it. And so all the evangelical stuff about women can't preach and women can't do this, can't have authority, all that nonsense, it's all nonsense. But because if God is the ability, what difference does it make what gender it is? Yeah. It's all kind of a human construct. It's not eternal in terms of the essence of it. Okay, people, no more questions. I gotta get it. Okay. <laughs> so look, so now, uh, so then, so God caused the man, verse 21, look, to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Look. Then the, God, then the Lord made a woman from the rib and brought her unto the man. Look, the same God that made the woman, the man out of dirt, right? Out of the dust, makes the woman out of the man. The same God that said, let us make man, also said it's not good that man should be alone. So she's a product of the vision of God, the same as the man was a product of the vision of God. The same way that God formed the man, he also formed the woman. So she has the same value as the man, only a different responsibility, but the same ability, but different responsibility. Do you get that? Yeah. So that's why I can read to you, and God said unto them in Genesis 1:28, God blessed them and said, the book of multiplication things you should do it. So this woman is a killer just like the man. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm not gonna go with it, but that's okay. And so there you are. And so then, this woman comes to the man, he recognizes her, but look what, look what happens to him, oh God, look, look. And then he says, then the man, of verse 22, then the Lord made a woman from the rib and brought her into the man. Now why? He was honoring the authority that he had put in her. So he brought her to the man. He could have told the man who she was, said to find her name and all this, but no, no. God put the man in charge of the earth. I'm gonna, I'm, he's gonna do what I would do without trying. And he said, alas, King, this is living translation, verse 23. The man exclaimed, this was one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken from man. Now watch now. She was called woman, he could say, because she was taken from me. So guess, guess what? So he said, she should be called woman. What's she doing, Adam? What you doing? He named her. Therefore, defines it. Therefore, understands it. You hear this? Now, let me tell you how the scenario goes in contemporary marriages today. I'm a bishop, so I deal with pastors and leaders who say, man, I just don't know. My wife don't seem to honor me. I can't understand. I mean, I, I try to make her happy. She's still, she's never satisfied. Like, you know, whatever. I, I'm called to do ministry. She don't want to do ministry with me. I mean, I just don't know, you know, what to do. I can't make her happy. Oh, you can't make her happy. Oh, so you understand thermonuclear dynamics? You understand the weather twin trends? You, you, you understand how to forecast and project, but you can't understand your wife. Well, no, your issue is not understanding your wife. Your, it, your issue is paying attention to her. You can't understand anything you don't pay attention to you. To. The Bible says when a man loves his wife, he loves what? Himself. Himself, his own self. Why? Because the woman came from you, dude. If you don't understand your wife, you don't understand yourself. You're talking psycho babble. Shut the psycho babble up, dude. Why? Because you want the woman to 
make you happy. You are a need-based husband. Husbands, in New Testament, I'm going there now, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So what's your issue? Your issue is not that you don't understand her, is that you haven't given yourself to her. The same thing that happened in the garden, the serpent comes and the woman is challenged and it says, and by the, by the devil, again, that's where, again, the fallen archangel, without the favor of God, it says in Genesis chapter 3, I got to go now because I got like one minute and 34 seconds. And so, so it says, and she, he, he challenges what God had said to him. Now, let's be honest. The woman wasn't made yet. So God, chapter 2, remember I read it, verse 15, he places the man in the garden, gives him the vision of what he was supposed to do in the garden. So, look, Adam had a God said, his wife had an Adam said. So what his household was to become was what the man declared over it. So then when that serpent came and spoke to the, the woman, Adam was there, there was two things. He was, he was being challenging, that was challenging. He was challenging the God said that had been given to him and was challenging the woman made in the image, made from his man. He should have shut that devil up talking to his woman. I know he wouldn't be wasn't in the ghetto. Because no ghetto do that. No strange do that. I heard you mad. The second thing is he should have shut his wife up. I said, don't listen to him. So what was his initial sin? His initial sin was not commission. His initial sin was omission. Really, he was henpecked. He was a henpeck. He was a chump. That's the ghetto kind of talk. See, I use another word. You understand? Now, look, please, listen to me. I'm closing, closing down. Watch. So listen to me. So in the garden. So here, you have the authority of the jurisdiction of the garden. You've been put in charge by Almighty God. And a fallen archangel, without the favor of God, was there talking to your wife. You should have shut him down right there. Because why? You have the authority to. Second, you should have shut her up. And here is what was hugely important about it. Stopping the devil, shutting the wife down. What was your initial sin? The sin of omission. And then you, she gave to you and you ate, that's the sin of commission. So what happened? You let the woman get a word from the devil and give it to the man. What? So she moves into your position. The woman that is giving and you as a man is receiving. You more like a girl, dude. Come on, get the point. That's where a man became, becomes gender in creation. He's made to be a man, but in that challenge, he was a woman. Okay, I gotta go. So I'm gonna speak a word. I'm just praying for you. I continue with this all the way through this. You gotta look at this. So, so Jesus comes and starts his ministry where that where Adam failed, and he started it after forty day fast. The devil comes to him while he's in the wilderness, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Where Adam sent a omission, sent a commission, failed in the garden. Jesus won the victory in Gethsemane in the garden. Therefore, goes public with it. He's crucified. Goes public with ministry. Goes into the wilderness and whips the devil and cast. Look at that. So I pray over you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. May the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God be upon you. 
and may you realize you have access to the heavenlies. Therefore, nothing on the earth can compete with you. I pray for the spirit of domination in every area. Over law, civil government, education, business, finance, art, and entertainment. In the name of Jesus, be who God made you to be. And the devil is a liar in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.